1: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.
3: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm your host, Freya Harkins, and I'm sounding peppy today, right? I'm pumped because I got some good news today, which I'll tell you about in a moment. But the reason that you are tuning in here is to listen to an interview with a person who has done a lot of stuff with independent music, whether that's playing in bands, whether that's working at record labels, or taking the principles that they have learned from this beautiful punk hardcore indie rock scene and apply it to their daily life. That's what we're doing here. And the guest this week is Carly Coma, who is the vocalist from, I was about to say hardcore legends, but like they're just heavy music legends, Canderia. Candyria has been at it since the mid-90s, and they are just going strong still. They are doing some amazing stuff. They just released a record last year that's really, really, really good. And uh, we talk about so much stuff. Like it, it really did feel like I was hanging out with Carly, just, just having coffee, going over things. And uh, he is such an interesting person and has a very interesting perspective on so many things. And is just, uh, yeah, he's a very... Grounded, rooted individual that I loved having this convo. So, more on him in a few moments. But, like I said, good news today. So, for those of you that have been paying attention over the past couple months, know that my wife and I have been dealing with uh, her diagnosis of cancer and she's been going through chemotherapy. And, um, you know, frankly, it's been fucking brutal. Um, there's no other way to put it. I, uh, I never fully felt like I entered any sort of mode of depression. I, generally speaking, was kind of, you know, basically putting putting up the good fight and, uh, you know, not really breaking down into a puddle of tears, even though I could have at many points, but I was like, no, man, can't do that, can't do that. And today, we got the positive news that uh, there is no cancer in her system right now, but granted, this is one of many, many tests that she's going to go through over the next couple uh, of years, but... Every piece of good news that you get out of this, like you just you you hold on to it, you savor it, you love it. Like I'm holding it up to my cheek right now, and I'm just rubbing it. So, anyways, for those of you that have engaged me, shared stories in regards to how cancer has affected their lives, I really appreciate it because uh, all the discourse around it is, um, you know, frankly, like it's just a lot of cliches rolled around. And I like the way that I was able to have discussions with people who wrote the show. And who interacted with me on social media, it wasn't just, uh, you know, oh, thoughts and prayers. It was like I felt I felt the presence of all these people. So including you, I'm pointing at you, maybe. Well, maybe you didn't write, but I know it was in your heart (laughs) anyways. So that's why I am sounding so good. And, uh, I feel great about this and I feel great about the show. So, you know, forgive me because I know I've missed a couple, uh, quote unquote fake deadlines in regards to putting up the show on a Wednesday and I've been putting them up on Thursdays recently. So, you know, that's just, that's, that's life. You know, you're going to get it on a Wednesday or Thursday, but I'm shooting for Wednesdays and that's kind of, that's, that's what's happening in my neck of the woods. So, oh, anyways, like I said, Carly was just so <clears throat> awesome. Like he, it was such a great chat. And he, uh, there, there was no stone unturned in my mind, and I was very, very glad that we could have this convo. So, without, uh, without me delaying this any longer, I'm going to let you uh, hear this conversation. And uh, we talked for a while. So, uh, you know, maybe pour a cup of coffee, uh, you know, pull a drink of water, or pull a drink of water. Who does that? Anyways, here's Carly. I'll talk to you after the surgery. first got keyed into you guys. I actually worked in Century Media for about 10 years or so, but it was right as you guys were leaving to put out your stuff on Lakeshore. Um so but it, I I got keyed into you guys. It, I think it was basically like late 90s, early 2000s. Um, I, I just became, yeah. I became aware of you guys because I'm yeah. from Southern California. You guys came through here. But a, a very definitive show I remember um, for myself and mm-hmm. a lot of other people in Southern California was when you were, I think it was you guys, Cryptopsy, and Poison the Well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. That was a tour. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, it was weird because you guys played the Key Club, which is um, you know was, mm. uh, was unconventional for bands of a heavy nature to really play the Key Club at that time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the thing that really struck me about that show is like, you know, I'm, I'm basically a punk and hardcore kid. I was raised in that scene. Yeah. And mm-hmm. w- what I watched at that show was the fact that you guys, I mean, granted, you couldn't get a more diverse bill. Like,
4: <laughs> you pulled Yeah, I know, right? <laughs>
3: <laughs> but for, for the people that, that attached themselves to you guys, it seemed like everybody liked one part of your band a lot and then kind of mm-hmm. dealt with the rest, so to speak, where they're like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I love their jazz parts. The screaming isn't for me, but, dude, they're so talented. Or then, like, a person mm-hmm. that was into the mosh parts was like, God, they have, like, the best mosh part. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. I-, I presume that you guys noticed that and kind of, you know, really relished in it in some respects. Or was that just something that you guys were like, oh, that's kind of funny that everybody likes a little little piece of us, but maybe can't stand the other parts? <laughs> that-
4: I'm not completely uh, surprised uh, by that because some people get uh, candyria right away and some people uh, it, it it takes them a few listens. right? But the good thing is like if the person's into jazz, then they'll focus on the jazz part. And after a few listens, then they'll eventually get into the rest, uh, to, 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 to the other, um, aspects of the, of the songs. And, um, and same thing with the mosh parts or whatever the case may be, you know, we give just a little something just to lure you in and hope and hope that, that, after a few listens that, 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 the listener gets it, you know, but, but the main thing is like, you know, it, we, it, it, that's our identity. You know what I mean? It's like, it's who we are. I'm like, this is what we do. You may like it. You may not, but, uh, um, we hope that you walk away at least respecting, uh, um, Respecting the fact that the
3: band is talented, right, right, yeah. And I just loved no. it, it totally, and I, I loved it for the fact that um, you could look around at the people in the audience and see distinctly, you know, very easily where it's like, okay, that <laughs> this person likes those parts of Candyria. and it was cool because, mm-hmm. like you said, there was that mutual respect of you know maybe you didn't identify with everything that you guys were doing, but there's that that underlying mm-hmm. respect, like you said, of the musicianship, mm-hmm. where it's like, dude. These guys are talented, you know, like regardless of yeah. maybe you didn't like the heavy stuff or whatever.
4: You know the funny thing is sometimes like and we would joke about this back in the day where we we would write dance parts, mosh parts or whatever and we would throw in, you know, we we would throw in like an odd time signature and you would see like everyone in the mosh like what do I do here? Cause it completely <laughs> messed up their rhythm. We found it hysterical, but uh that you know that would happen sometimes and uh that was uh it was fun to watch totally. from uh, you know from my point of view. <laughs>
3: Totally. I always like to call those parts like the uh, the the pump the brake parts, where it's just like, yeah. oh, uh, okay. I guess like I'm I'm gonna go to the side now and just like chill out until yeah. the, the part comes back. I guess.
4: Oh <laughs> yeah, like it's stuckle.
3: <laughs> that's funny. Um, and yeah. you, you, you yourself, you were were you born you you were born and raised in New York City, or where did you come up? Because I, I just didn't uh, discover that information personally.
4: No, no, Brooklyn all my life. You know, I was born in Brooklyn, King, Kings County Hospital, and like, uh, and uh, I love New York. Uh, and and this is something I said in the past. You know, I, I don't think Candelaria could have existed anywhere else. You know, and I think a big part of our sound is because of the fact that we're from here. You know, like everyone else for the most part, they have to go. Um, you know, they have to travel around the world to uh, experience different cultures. In New York the world comes to you. And and like you can walk a few blocks down and and, and something this is something I always say, you know, I mean you walk through like you know, a few blocks to the left, you're in uh Asian neighborhood, few blocks to the right, Caribbean neighborhood, you know, Italian neighborhood, like it's all around us and like I said, you, you get to experience great food, great music, great people.
3: Yeah, totally. And that's the uh the yeah. I always like that, uh, geographical nature of bands where yeah. you can tell by just the sonics of the band of where they're located. You know, I do agree with you, yeah. but, you know, I couldn't see Candaria existing in, um, like Chicago, you know, like it yeah. maybe in certain, yeah. in certain respects. Yeah. But you guys probably yeah. sound drastically different. Whereas like, yeah. you know, there are certain, there are certain bands that, especially this day and age just because you know the technology exists where band members can live you know in many many different places and don't have mm-hmm. a sort of sonic hub from a local scene to yeah. pull from in order to kind of have yeah. that oh you're from Louisville Kentucky or like oh you're from yeah. Tampa Florida or whatever
4: yeah yeah absolutely it's like, if you look at it like let's look at it just in terms of like hip hop you know if you look at hip hop you can clearly tell the west coast sound the east coast sound Like, you know, the Southern Sound, like every, like every neighborhood, every state, in a sense, like has like their own, you know, has their own sound. And like I said, and the county completely fit, uh, really fit um, the New York Sound. It's a perfect expression of, of our city.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah. what was your, what was your family structure like growing up in uh, in Brooklyn? Like, what was your mom and dad doing for work, or did you come from uh, you know a single family home with mom or dad, brothers and sisters? What was the
4: yes, a, a, a single family home with with my mom. With my mom and dad separated, you know, when I was when I was very very young, and you know, it's one of those you know, I'd say it like typical you know typical thing where mom was pretty much supporting, like you know, uh, the household. Very very strong woman. And I, and like, it's, uh, she always, she always pushed me. I remember this one, this one time she was buying, uh, we were living, we were living in East New York and she was buying like a heavy tub of like plaster to fix like the wall or something like that, right? And I was super young, uh, maybe I was seven or something like that, but she had me help her. I'm like, mom. I'm like, you know, this is heavy. And she's looking at me, she goes, well you can do it like you know what I mean? like <laughs> you're gonna have to do it because I need help with it and like right away I, I just knew that um that life was going to be different and like I'm like alright you know I have to power through she needs my help you know so uh, a lot of stuff like that a lot of stuff like that uh happened was a big part of my upbringing uh, like you know in certain when life would get let's say tough or when life even gets tough now I have this compelling um something compels me like even though everything inside of me wants to run, my first um, reaction is to power through. You know, and and I do feel uh, that my upbringing in New York, in in my home, is the reason why I'm like that.
3: That's amazing. Yeah, you 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 have this uh, resiliency that uh, is built in inside of you, just based on the circumstances of your surroundings. You know.
4: Yeah, yeah, and and you know, and and the thing is, you know, you look at it where in terms of, uh, I, I I always try try not to be defined by my circumstances, and I think a lot of times we tend to do that, and like uh, and it's like, all right, here's another obstacle. You know, um, I've heard this one saying uh, uh, years ago: a failure is someone who never realized how close they were to success, and uh, and, and success doesn't always mean money you know i mean you can still be a janitor and be successful you know it's a, it, it depends it depends what what what's the plan what whatever plan is you know for your life whatever god has planned for your life whatever you know it, it, it's it's one of those things like i i do not define success by money uh, because money you can't take it to the grave with you you know it, it's intangible and I used to be like that, but I got over that real quick. You know, after um after we got our settlement from the accident, and so I'm like, I'm like, all right, well, I don't feel any different. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know what I mean, it's like, so it's like yeah, that was a big, uh, a big, uh, uh, you know, wake up call to me. You know, and back to the, I mean, uh, going back to the, you know, the resiliency. I think that's the thing. I applied the same thing after our accident, you know, we, um, we got, you know, we got hit by the truck or whatever the case may be. And I instantly wanted to go back out on the road. It's just, all right, there's another obstacle. I almost died for it, but dust myself off and like just go back and do it again. It's what I do.
3: Yeah, absolutely. You, know? you, you yeah. never, you never know how you're going to react to certain circumstances, um, until you're actually faced with them and you can kind of go you can go through every sort of cliched response in the way that Mm -hmm. you know oh people are strong and resilient but you like you don't know until you're there and then you realize that this sort of it's almost instinctual where certain people are, are have that makeup to be like all right well like you said, you know, this is just a challenge, this is an obstacle, this is, you know, yeah, it's pretty dire, and <laughs> I almost lost my life, yeah. but, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm still here, I'm still standing, and that's, uh, you know, that's something to be thankful for, that's, uh, that's incredible that, like you said, your mom was able to, you know, not... Uh, Probably not intentionally, like you said, just sort of circumstantially. Be like, "Well, Carly, like, I need help." And you're like, "Oh, yeah, I guess, yeah. I guess so." So, so you, did, did, did you have brothers and sisters, or no. basically just you and your mom? Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. I have a, no, I have a, I have a three brothers and, and three sisters, big family. If you notice, like, uh, yeah, yeah, I know. If you notice, whenever, uh, whenever we go out to eat, I always eat very quickly. I, I was with my brother over the weekend. And he's like, dude, what is oh I'm like, first of all, you're the oldest. I had to, you know, I'm like, I literally wanted to make sure no one took like two leftovers. So you would eat quick just to make sure you can get uh, more before like, uh, you know, b- b- before the food is you know gone, you know, I like food, right? And so um, so, so it's kind of funny how those things, once again, like, you know, they, uh, they, they shape you, you know, they shape you as well. Even now it's like, oh, I'm like, dude, we just sat down and ate. I'm like, oh my God, I'm done already. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, 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 I eat quick. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's funny.
3: What was your uh, What was your mom doing for uh, for jobs as she was you know raising
4: a lot oh, of kids? Uh, my mom, she was a, a seamstress. Like, oh, You know, okay. it's like, yeah, she was a, yeah, she was a seamstress, and uh, um, she went out. You know, she 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 bought a house. You know, she bought a home and like she like supported it like all herself and uh, by herself. And then um, and then she started like uh, I guess just like you know like renting like. um... Floors in the homes to people, kind of like own landlord, and and like you know the backyard, like rented that out for like you know people who wanted to like park their cars or whatnot. And so it was one of so you know she always find she had a good hustle, you know. I mean, those things like I told, like all right, she's just gonna hustle just to make sure, you know. She 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 takes care of things, you know. Right. And I would always um you know didn't really have much uh, growing uh, growing up. Uh, it, it, Here's where I, where that, where I kind of looked at it as like, let's say now as like a good thing because, you know, uh, we didn't have, let's say like many toy, toys or whatever. I would spend a lot of time uh, in the backyard, uh, just, um, digging through, you know, dirt, playing with worms, playing with insects, and then, um, uh, just creating like my own toys. And, and I realize now like it, if I grew up on an iPad, or if I, you know, just whatever. Like, I don't know if my imagination, uh, uh, if I would have the imagination that I have now. I was forced to create, forced to think outside the box because I had I wanted to have fun. <laughs> All right. So even now to this day, like I'm fascinated by National Geographic, how animals like interact uh, with each other. I'm like, even when I'm cooking, I'm like, oh, let me try this spot, oh, this spice with this spice. I'm always. I'm always creating, I'm always um experimenting and and now I see how that plays into my, my my uh my songwriting. You know, it's like yeah and and yeah, and I'm glad uh you know, of course things could have been better of course but like I don't I don't regret I don't regret how I was brought up, you know?
3: Yeah, absolutely. You're 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 given a different uh experience and through that you're able to reflect on the fact that Oh because I you know didn't have yeah. these things that I do have this it's kind of like you know addition yeah. through subtraction <laughs> it's like yeah. oh yeah exactly yeah and yeah. Then, exactly. You know, and then yeah you could look at kids that you know might have had uh you know G.I. Joes and Voltrons and everything else that you know have mm. something that you may not you're like oh they may have they may maybe have more of a memory to remember every G.I. Joe figure but you're just like well that's why yeah. I don't need that <laughs> my life's fine. Yeah. exactly
4: it. Exactly. And I, and I, and like I said, I would, uh, I remember this one time, um, my, uh, my teeth came out of my mouth. You know what I mean? and, 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 and I Like, it just fell out. And I buried it just to see what would happen. So I would just go back and check. I'm like, oh, oh, let us see how the, let see if the bones decompose. This is what I'm doing. You're okay. Yeah. And I would go to the Park. I would catch tadpoles cat and then, and try to, try to make it, you know, live. Of course, that thing was dead in like a week or right. whatever. It's not horrible. And then, uh, here's this is a real funny thing. I, I would, I would watch a lot of, um, like uh, like Bugs Bunny and stuff like that, Tom and Jerry, all that stuff, uh, growing up. And so I, I I was fascinated by this one episode where um was yeah I don't know who it was I don't know if it was Bugs Bunny or whatever because they caught like caught like, like a bird had like a. A trap. Where you put the stick under a box and with a string, and you pull it and fold. So like, I would catch birds like that. I would catch cats. <laughs> this is what I. Right. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> this is so interesting. Like if I if I had like you know a bunch of video games like the ones of Toys, which I did have some toys. but you know if I had like all that stuff, I don't know if I would be doing that. You know, right. was like, <laughs> it's, it's weird, but you know, I don't know. Yeah. I look back at it. Like, what's, what's wrong with me? <laughs>
3: no, that's that, that's that's incredible. Yeah.
2: <laughs> the show is sponsored by BetterHelp.
1: what exactly are the duties of being a member of the wedding party?
0: All that plus so much more.
1: Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Grown Up Stuff. (laughs)
3: <laughs> and so, yeah. so what kind of what kind of kid did you find yourself, you know, as you started to get into junior high school yeah. and, you know, high school or junior high and high school, um, what kind of kid did yeah. you find yourself being? You know, were you, uh, did you care about school? Did you care more about the music that you were getting into? Where was your head at?
4: Um, when I first, uh, let me see, well, you know, was, I'd go through stages of being popular and not being popular which is, you know, when, when you're, when you're that young, that's the only thing that really matters. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, it's like, you know, we all want to be, at least, at least um, at that age, we all want to be like, like, so, um, so I, I was very, uh, just very funny, you know, I mean, just, a, I'm still now I'm just, I can pretty much make a joke uh, out of anything that's, uh, a lot of times it, it takes me a lot to be serious, even though I, I can be very, very serious, very, very insightful and stuff like that. But I like making people laugh, right? Uh, so I, I was a funny dude and so at junior high school, like, my first year was like a little weird because they completely took me, uh, out of, uh, the, the neighborhood that I grew up in the Flappish area. And I went to the Moing Park area, which was to me was a culture shock because like literally like it was taken out of a black neighborhood into a white neighborhood and and it was at 14, it was like, oh my God, I'm like, okay, I have to just, this is, it was a culture shock. I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to interact. So, like, you know, um, so the first year was uh, very awkward for me. Um, I got left back, I got left back because I ended up cutting, like, a um, cutting and uh, and, those, and uh, those, it's kind of funny. The reason why I cut school, there was this um, this girl wanted to like date me, and like, I didn't like her at all. And like, uh, she had um, I didn't know she had six fingers, so, you know, I was young, so <laughs> I didn't know, so I freaked out. I cut school for like two months. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> Yeah, this is, of course, now nah, I don't care, you know what I mean? Like uh, my niece had like six, uh, and when you're like a junior high school, you are like, what do I do? Like so, yeah. so I'm just like, you know, breaking it off. I just got to school, but I spent a lot of time like, you know, like like in the park and like, you know, catching tadpoles and stuff like that. But I finally went back to school and like, uh, got, uh, yeah, I got a back. But here's where, here's where the story is awesome, right? So I had to do the seventh grade all over again and uh, I was doing really, really well in my, uh, uh, you know, with my studies, whatever. I was enjoying language arts. I was enjoying science, math. Yeah, I could take it a little bit, right? And uh, um, at the end of the school year, towards the end of the school year, what happened? I ran into, um, I met Chris Puma, and uh, and he's the guy I ended up starting Candyria with. So it's, uh, if I didn't get it, going get left back? Right. Uh, I never, I don't, I can't hear more Yeah. Can't hear what would have been formed. Right, it right. wouldn't have happened. So, yeah. so, so there's, it, one, there's yeah. one situation where I ran from. <laughs> right.
3: Right. And it worked out perfectly. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. so what is Candaria ostensibly your first band? Like, did you play in anything else kind of before that relationship
4: blossomed? Well, I played with uh well the the band uh before Candero was uh it was still with Chris and it was still with Eric, the two guys I started Candy with, but it was like you know, we were sixteen, we called the band Reading Angel. It was really corny stuff. <laughs> like, you know, sixteen. In fact, there was a song in the demo that we we did a cover of Mary Had a Little Lamb. Just to give you an idea, we kinda had like a Beavis and Butthead mentality thing or SpongeBob and Patrick mentality right. thing going on, right? right. And so uh and um and actually Mike was actually singing that the, one of the songs off the demo to me at the last band rehearsal. I'm like, dude, don't hit please You that very, <laughs> right? Only a few people had that. We only printed up like 200 demos uh, or whatever. Um, but that, that was our first first band and it morphed into Candaria. This is where um, we put out a flyer that we wanted to start a, um, a death metal band because at that point I started getting the death metal. And Kenny Ken came short to start a flyer and rehearsed with us and kind right. of helped he took the band to like another level. He was the oldest guy in the band. So he introduced all these odd time signatures. He introduced jazz. He introduced the fact that um not every song needs a chorus. So and all this uh uh all this information the dude was very smart. So Ken Shaw, um even though know, he's not in the band anymore, it is is a big reason why it was a huge part of Ken sound, and like helped to guide us towards, um, uh,
3: towards the sound that we, um, that we have now even. Sure. Sure. Yeah. The, the, uh, the, the experience that you had in getting into, you know, different subcultures from, you obviously mentioned hip-hop before and then getting into death metal um, you know, clearly because you are a black man getting into a world of predominantly you know, white dudes doing weird music shit, um, like how, how, you know, how, how did you, first of all, get exposed to that? Was it basically just kind of the friends at your school that were showing you all this different stuff? Um, uh, because, you know, it's usually it's hard to kind of have that wide range of tastes at the age that you know you were blossoming into a music fan, where it's like, yeah, I like hip hop and death metal. It's like that—that's not a normal experience,
4: Carly. <laughs> <laughs> that's the point. It's um, like uh, like in my house, you know, we grew up to listening to Martin Cole, Elvis, Gladys Knight and the Pips, Michael Jackson, Bevo, uh, like Duran Duran, like everything. Literally, the radio, everything was playing in my house. Right and like uh, and I remember MTV was starting to come out and like you know and like we couldn't afford it so there was this station called U sixty eight and all they played was you know metal and metal and and, and hair metal right and I well, when I first watched it I wasn't into it but it was I love music so I'm like all right I'll just watch it because I'm being exposed to music videos and right? I so it's like I'll just watch it and eventually I got into it, you know, I, I, I was listening to Police, Motley Crue, Wasp, um, you know, like, like Twisted Sister was uh, one of my favorites growing up, like all, all, like all these bands, you know, and I eventually got into it. So I was already into, um, uh, let's say hair metal or, um, or heavy metal. I uh, like, you know, I, I, I like a really young age, Black Sabbath, all that stuff. Right. But then when I went to, uh, you know, Marine Park, uh I gravitated towards this kid, uh, his name was Scott Davidson, and like you know he really was done hanging out like a lot and really listened to he goes did you check out this record and check out this record. So I had someone that I was going to school with that um that we literally just like listened to metal, cut class, listened to metal like every day and it was it was very very uh, was a, it was a great sense because you know it's like I, I found someone that uh, I can I, uh, I can identify with so um and like I said and as time went on once again I just when when I met Chris Pruma and he got me into uh, Metallica and I made it then I started going getting into like the heavier stuff then I got everyone into like I met this kid um, I think it was Dave Pudisi I think that was the best name Pudisi, and he got me into death metal so, so I can think of it all so it just started progressing and like I remember I worked at um, this Pizzeria uh, and Metallica, in Brooklyn, Kings Plaza. I was 16 years old, and I met this kid. I I can't remember his name right now, at the top of my head. Um, but he he played guitar. So I would I loved metal so much that after work, after dinner, walk at uh, 11 o'clock, I would walk to his house like 45 minutes, sit in his room, and he would I would sit in front of him, and he would play covers uh, of Metallica songs, and like I was just was just amazed. Uh, amazed. so this this is what I did. Any anyone who played uh, any anything that had to do with metal, I would just gravitate towards uh, gravitate towards that person. Right, right, yeah,
3: like a sponge, yeah mm-hmm. it's it's cool because it definitely is reflective over what you're saying your New York experience of having all these cultures being thrown at you at once and you having mm-hmm. the ability to kind of pick and choose but you know what what gravitated you towards the you know the more independently minded side of things just because um you know a lot of the influences and bands that you were mentioning you know didn't have. Uh, the idea of you know a mainstream music appeal um and once you started to go to shows like did you notice that sort of uh you know subculture and you know political awareness and uh, because you even though Candyria itself isn't a political band you've always been you know outspoken in regards to your beliefs and kind of where you know you stand a lot of things so um did I, i presume that was attractive to you once you started to you know kind of experience independent punk and hardcore and metal shows
4: Oh yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean. It's like whether you agreed with what was being said or not, it's like you um, you couldn't help to be sucked in by their passion, right? It's like uh, you know when there's something to be said about someone who's passionate about something, whether you agree with them or not. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm like, wow, like you can see this person believes this. I may disagree with them, or I may agree with, agree, agree with them, or whatever. But I, I, remember, uh, I remember hearing this, um, this one thing a few years ago, and, 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 and like it said to me, it's like, uh, a man without enemies is a man who has not fought for anything. And, like, and that always stayed with me. And thing is that could be for your family. It could be for your job, It could be for standing, Whatever. It could be on the smallest level to, you know, to the biggest level. You know? And, like, one of the things that I um, really loved about, let's say, uh, watching some of those bands, like, you know, I don't care if you like me or not. This is what I have to say. And uh, in this day and age, I think because we live in such a politically, well, maybe not now, but we live in a politically correct society, um, oh. sometimes people will keep the shut, you know, and I've been guilty of it myself, just to try to please the other person, you know what I mean? And, like, you've got to kind of, like, I'm like, oh, okay, you know what, but I this is where I stand this you know uh and um yeah you know sometimes you know like i said uh, every situation's uh every situation's different whatever the case may be but like um but for the most part that's that's what pulled me that's that was one of the reasons why i was pulled in and let's say on um, all these underground bands
3: right right that's that's awesome yeah. and how how yeah. is was is your your family or brothers or sisters reacting to you you know bringing stuff that was not typical not only for your own personal experience, but just like when parents start to see the stuff that is, you know, strange and weird coming into their door, it's like, uh, Carly, what are you, what are you doing? Like, or were your parents, or was your mom generally supportive of the stuff that you were bringing home?
4: She wasn't supportive of that at all. I mean, it was weird. I mean, she, I remember she, she came, um, in my room, she, uh, she just, after a while, she just ripped down all my posters. She ripped down my, I made poster, like all my, because she, she's like, what is going on? You know what I mean? And like, she looked at me once and uh, that was you need to just go out and get like a regular, a uh, regular job and like, you know, go out and focus and do those things. And it's like, oh, I'm not, and granted, I think that's great if, if that's what I want to do. Me personally, it's like, I'm, I'm not built that way. You know, I remember just one, I remember I was going to, um, I was going to, uh, and this is, keep in mind, dude, like, you know, I, I was in junior high school going to harass this junior high, And uh, I got, you know, left back again because, you know, like I said, now I love learning back then. It was like, you know, like I wanted to go to the school that I wanted to go to and I didn't get accepted until because I got left back the previous year. And uh, um, so I went and I took my GPA and when they looked at my score, like on the practice test, the lady looked and she goes, what are you doing here? She goes, it's like, you're extremely smart. I <laughs> in case you not, I looked out the window, this is in the black neighborhood. I looked out the window, said, I'm going to be a rock star. <laughs> She's looking at me like I was on drugs. And then that's it. And I think, like, Gee, I love her. she looked at me like I was crazy. Right. <laughs> she said, what? But it's one of the things, I, I wouldn't call myself a, I wouldn't, you know, now I wouldn't use that term, but like that, at that, at 17, that's you know, I knew what I wanted to do, so that's what I called it. Now I would just say, you know, I want, I want music to be my life. You know what I mean? But like, uh, but I was so driven that it's like, whoever made fun of me, whoever, whether my family, you know, whatever case may be, like. Or- I know what I want to do. And my brother thought something got to me a few months ago. He's like, dude, he goes, he goes, you are stubborn. He goes, once you make up, <laughs> make your mind up, you just keep going and no one can change it. I go, yep, that's pretty much right. You know what I mean? So at t- they thought I was crazy, but now they just say, like, all right, this is, now they look at it like, wow. Like, I like, I admire the fact that after all these years that you went and we did what you loved, you chased that after- bill, Know, what you love whether you're making money or not you still stuck still stuck through it so you're a little centric but <laughs> but like, like it makes sense why you'd be driven to go do that so now um, they're, they're very supportive
3: that's awesome yeah, yeah. yeah. regard i mean I, I think so many kids do feel that experience when they start to get into uh stuff that you know is contradictory to whatever their parents or their peers are into you do feel that sense of ownership over like Dude, this is this is my stuff. Like, you know, I'm making this concerted decision to do this, and you know, no one else can tell me any different. And and yeah, when when you can kind of stick to it and then show it over the short over the the duration of your life, that's when people are like, oh, oh, so Carly really did mean this.
4: Yeah, exactly. Oh, this just wasn't like a thing, you know. I had my raver, my raver phase for a bit, and like they kind of stuck through that, but like, right. but like, uh, but they're like, uh, we knew we know this isn't gonna last, but you know, but, um, for the most part, it's like, you know, I stuck with it because it's i'm compelled to create music
3: right right you that's, know? O- that's awesome breathing. and so yeah. did you did you immediately gravitate towards you know doing vocals uh, or was that just a function of the fact that you couldn't play instruments as well as the the people that were surrounding you
4: oh it's, i couldn't afford it literally like i wanted to be like a guitar player and it's like i'm like and 16 and me and chris are looking at each other This is when we're starting like you know to play and he's like um He's like, uh, hey, I think we can both do guitars. So I'm like, how much guitars? I'm like, this much. I'm like, oh, I can't do that. I'm like, I'll sing. Okay, it's <laughs> really that simple. That's, so- that's not I couldn't, I, could, I couldn't afford a guitar, and so now I'm a vocalist, and so. It worked out. It worked out well.
3: Right. right.
4: Yeah.
3: <laughs> that, that, that's funny because usually, usually, the experience of someone, especially being a vocalist of a, uh, you know, a band that ha- doesn't have any sort of mainstream aspirations, usually it's the it's yeah. one of two scenarios. The one that you're talking about, where it's like, oh man, I don't yeah. have the money for a drum kit or you know, bass guitar yeah. or anything, uh, or it's just the fact that everybody else already had their instruments and then you're kind of left in the corner yeah. being like, um, all right, I guess I'll do. I'll, I'll try this. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> really came down to 40 and So, <laughs> Right, that's, that's, that's amazing. Uh,
3: My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans.
1: what exactly are the duties of being a member of the wedding party?
0: All that plus so much more.
1: Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Grown Up Stuff Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, and when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning.
1: We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like.
0: Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL.
1: Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app.
3: Um, and so then, you know, as as Candiria started to, you know, get going and you guys started to, you know, hit the road... Uh, w- did touring come naturally to you or was that something that uh you had to kind of get used to just because um you know because of your circumstances you know i presume you weren't taking a ton of vacations to uh you know around the country and stuff like that and so was touring your first kind of taste outside of uh you know what, brooklyn and everything
4: it was, no uh, actually uh yeah actually the, the first, the first time that I was even on a, um, the first time that I was on a plane, I was, uh, I, I, was I was, 27, you know? And so it's like, uh, but, but, it, and so it, it was one of those things where I had to, I wanted to see the world because of all the shows that I was, um, the shows that I, I was exposed to, like National Geographic, but all that stuff. So I know I want to, I know I wanted to see the world. Right. But like, um, but it still took a while for me to get used to because I was gone for a long period of time. New York was pretty much just all that I knew. So even now when I tour, it's like I have to mentally prepare myself. I'm like, all right, I'm going to be gone for like a while. I still, I still love experiencing like, you know, going to different cities and like, you know, and, 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 and doing all those things. But like, but it, it, it's, um, but it took, it, it It took a while for me to to get used to that because it's like, all right, you hop in the vehicle, you travel for 17, 15, 10 hours, whatever, you get to the club, you sit around for a while, you do interviews, you hop on stage, you load up, you go right back, and it gets a little monotonous at times, but you look forward to that 45 minutes uh, on stage so to speak, a fifty half hour, you know, whatever on stage, and that—that's what it's all about. Of course, meeting the fans as well, and that's what I look forward to uh, the most, and it's, it's very rewarding.
3: Sure, absolutely, yeah. So many yeah. people, so many people that don't have the touring experience don't uh, yeah. re- realize the the hurt. The, I, I, I explain it like this: it's usually just like hurry up and wait so it's like yeah you drive yeah. forever to load in at four and then you're set time to ten thirty, yeah. and you're just like so what do i do here <laughs> i guess i'll hang yeah. around uh, the venue yeah. or like go get coffee next door but um yeah. yeah and then just like you said how monotonous it is where um yeah you can yeah. S- you can see the country but it's you know through the van window and you're not stopping to like hey let's go to the grand canyon you're like dude that's like six exactly. hours off the road of where we're going we can't do that
4: Exactly. I mean, you, you look at pretty much when you're, you're uh, unless you have a day off, I think one of the best days off I had was uh, in Belgium. Uh, just loved it. Right. But like, unless you have a day off, you're pretty much, you're, your sightseeing for you was in a, It was in a five block radius of the club <laughs> or the theater, whatever the case may be. But for the most part, you know, you're, you know, be have to realize, you know, you're, you're working. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it's work. Yeah. I love it. It's a job that I love to do, but it's still, uh, it's, it's work. And it's, it, can be hard uh, uh mentally can be mentally draining that you have to go on think about it you have to go on stage in front of a bunch of people um sometimes when you don't feel like going on stage in front of a bunch of people and you have to talk to them when your mind is someplace else when your mind is at home or or whatever the case may be i think one of the, the biggest um i guess one of the biggest concerns i have about let's say touring um and i and i know that other artists definitely uh feel uh, the same way it's like hearing that like uh, a family member or a loved one pass away and you're on the other side of the world and you might miss the funeral or whatever the case may be that's something that that I think about you know my mom's like like 74 75 years old so it's something that I think about like you know I hope that like I'm not out of I hope I'm not someplace where I can't get called and something happens to like my, my mom you know what I mean and I'm just be real with you you know what I mean it's like yeah you know, it's like uh, it, it's it's it it can be it can be tough. Or something's happening at home, and like uh, you can't just rush and go there. You're like six thousand, seven thousand miles away, separated by ocean. Uh, it, you know, there's ups and downs. You know.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's there's a uh, sacrifice and a trade-off for you know you yeah. being able to pursue your art there's the idea that yeah. you are not physically available for people and relationships that are meaningful to you and it's like well yeah yep. yeah, yeah it's a it's it's all a bargain right
4: <laughs> yep absolutely it's a uh, like, uh it, it's got everything cost you something yeah it's true it's everything true. there's mm-hmm. pr- good or bad there's a price for everything mm-hmm.
3: absolutely yeah um yeah. I wanted to focus on uh, the time in Candirio where, um, you know, when 300% Density came out, that was uh, such a unique time for bands of the, you know, hardcore punk metal variety because that's when, you know, for lack of a better term, the, you know, mainstream music publication started to cover these bands and, you know, bands were able to start making livings off of their, you know, heavy music, which was, you know unheard of prior to that it's like yeah you 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 can point to a band like you know earth crisis or you could point to a band like you know hate breed and then you know your old tour mates poison the well it's like once those bands started to kind of break out realize like wait a minute like You can like make a living off this? That doesn't make any sense. Um, I mean, granted, yeah, granted, yes, you could point to the you know the New York City hardcore bands in the early '90s, but you know that was a whole whole weird time in general. But, anyways, my my point being was the fact that there was uh, a lot of uh, expectations and pressure put on you guys because of uh, oh, you know, Rolling Stone says that uh, Candyria is going to be you know the next uh, you know hugest thing to come out of independent music. Um, Was that something? Was that something that you guys? I guess kind of just took in stride, and like you're like that was cool, but um, you know it wasn't something that you were you know targeting to uh, to accomplish. Um, But was that that sort of pressure that's coming in on you guys? uh, You know, did you enjoy that, or was that something that you just did your best to ignore?
4: I enjoyed it completely. I mean, it's like, and 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 there wasn't really any pressure for that because we were just doing what came natural to us but I completely enjoyed it because you know when you before reality kicks in one of the things that will um, motivate you to um to, to start a band is you want to be the biggest rock star on the planet <laughs> right I mean it's it, I'm just for the most part that's what motivates us because our imagination is set free no boundaries whatsoever you know um and so I I remember watching made Maiden live After Death with Chris Puma sitting in front of a uh uh, and then watching it, you know, sitting in front of the TV, I'm like, but that's what I want. And we just sit there, and we're like, all right, that's what we want. So it's like, um, those, those are the things that were driving us. So when Rolling Stone happens and MTV was happening, it's like, uh, I was like, first of all, I, I, I was only, like, oh, wow, it's really happening. I was kind of in shock. You kind know, of like uh, no pressure, but I was bugging out. I'm like, "What's going on? Like, this wasn't, like you know you you want it to happen, and you know it's gonna happen. But when stuff like that does happen, I'm like why is this happening? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense." So it's like a weird thing, like kind of like for me personally, going back and forth, right? And regards to like, "What is going on? Like this is weird, you know." Um, I remember getting recognized and like I went to Jacob Javits car show, um, and someone stopped me, Hey, I saw you on TV and I'm like i like, what is that? I'm like this is awkward. I'm like, you know, this is weird. You know, um, but we took it um we took it inside. We just we knew that whatever whatever success came our way, whatever notoriety notoriety came out, we knew it was part of the job description. So um I didn't really feel too. Uh, it's too much pressure, really. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just, all right, this is what we do. This is how it feels like. You know.
3: Sure, sure. And did you did you have? Um you personally, did you have any sort of um, business sense about you in regards to the band? Because, you know, usually there's one or two people in the band that kind of, you know, acts as the de facto voice because, you know, there's no way that a record label or someone else has to like go around to every single band member and be like, OK, what do you think about this? OK, what do you think about this? You know, um, did, did you fill that role in the band at all? Or was that something that, you know, you voice your opinion, but there were other people that were doing kind of the communication
4: for the band? Not, not, not at all. At that time, not at all. You know I mean? It was, I was more literally just into, uh, of just being a, a vocalist, you know, it's like, you know, when you're in Kandiria and you're, you are know, you're competing with everyone, you're competing with a lot of egos, not necessarily that way, but like we all like, all right, this is what I do and I do it well. So sometimes, you know, we, we, we would, um, Sometimes you have to push your ideas forward because everyone has ideas, <laughs> you know what I mean. And like, uh, so uh, my thing literally was um, just a creative dude and and like doing doing my show well and just um, opening my mouth some business stuff here and there. But that was mostly Mike. Mike is uh, very good at that stuff, and uh, uh, and it was Eric because Eric, um, Eric, when we first started the band, Eric was the one who really just pushed. Business wise, to band forward, and even now, you know, he's one of my best friends. I still talk to him, and his the way that his mind works is awesome in regards to that. Um, after uh, after Candida took some, you know, we, we took a hiatus after the Kiss the Live record, and we um, and that's when I spent a lot of time years just educating myself uh, in regards to like uh, music, music theory, in regards to business, like publishing, you know, in um. And I just really wanted to understand the business, you know, because we've had, we had some, uh, we had some things happen to us that were kind of shady, like in the past. And we kind of, I kind of came when I decided to come back and like, well, that's not going to happen again. So I knew the ways that I, to help avoid those things, I had to educate myself. So now me, Mike and John, like we were pretty much for the most part all on the same page. Um, uh, business wise, and I definitely um, advise that every band member educate himself uh, in, in regards to uh, in regards to the music business. Yeah, um, just to, you know, just just to watch watch it back, you know
3: right well absolutely i mean it's like whether or not you uh, care about the business of you know the band or the music or anything you should you know you should at least have a topical understanding in order to you know contribute to the discussions that the band has as opposed to oh whatever i don't care it's like that's fine when you're you know 16 or 17 years old but then when stuff starts to get a little more serious it's like well you should have an opinion (laughs) yeah exactly Exactly. Not, not, not to you know belabor that that particular time, but I'm sure there were uh, you know a lot of uh, weird circumstances you were thrown into because you know there was a lot of label interest and a lot of people were you know kind of sniffing around the Candiria camp. Uh, do you have any anecdotal stories in your head that were kind of funny from that time frame, whether or not it was something that was uh, oh we got taken out to this you know ridiculous dinner or um you know <laughs> this this dude flew out to watch us in you know in Omaha, Nebraska or something. Did you do you have any of those that kind of stick? out in your head um, that were, you know, funny or okay.
4: Oh, well, here's one uh, that really sticks out my head. Um, There's this guy, I'm not going to mention his name. I uh, thought he was, uh, he was a band friend and, uh, um, and like, you know, we stayed at his house, always had some, you know, go to out back and whatnot and went to L.A. and was signing um, and uh, kind of signed it, I think that's the deal for either Lakeshore or a publishing deal, whatever the case may be. But he was a friend of ours and he got us to look it up and, uh, we signed and I look back at it and I'm, I'm like, wow. And then we found out years later that he was, um, he wasn't as upfront, uh, honest as he should be. And then all these things started coming out and, um, that's the thing, you know, watch out for, someone trying to lick you up and putting a piece of paper in your face. But uh, I had to, I had to give him props though. Like, you know, he was playing the long con and it worked, <laughs> you know, but like, uh, I, for the most part, like it was a, it was definitely a, um, definitely like an eye opener on just how, uh, how careful you have to be in regards to regards to your business. Mm-hmm. Right, so um, but so that's and the thing that's the guy like I don't even really think about it, but you know, it's like I'm like, all right, whatever, you know. Um, but it's one of those things where you know there are a lot of, a lot of sharks out there, and like I said, any new band coming up, you know, the bands, you know, whatever that been out, around for a while, like you should know every set that's coming in, every set that's coming out has paperwork for everything, complete transparency on every level, and uh, it is. Uh, it, 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 it'll save you a lot of, um, a lot of heartache so those right? But uh, once again, like never again. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: No, it's true. I mean, you, you, you do you do see a lot of people trying to become, you know, parasitic towards a band when they feel like they uh, can kind of wedge themselves in there and offer something. That you know, a band may yeah. not have uh, considered in the first place, and then all of a sudden be like, "Oh wait, what do we just do?" But yeah, well, I'm, I'm sorry that happened, yeah. I guess. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a few last things I want to hit on before I let you go. Was I mean, there's no. no there's no way that anybody can uh, you know speak to you and talk not talk about like you mentioned earlier the the fact you got in a you know horrific accident and like you mentioned the settlement like you know that's all been well documented and everything <laughs> like that. But uh, to me, what I was interested in is the um, you know once you you know were able to you know kind of pull yourself up with your own bootstraps and sort of have a vision for the future um you know what did you actually start to do to kind of you know put yourself back together in the way of like i need to exist in the world now like i know the band isn't going to have um you know through injuries and through all the horrible things that happened to you guys you know the band isn't going to be as much of a focus of what you guys were doing so you know how I guess how did you get through those sort of you know dark times, and what did you actually do yourself to you know kind of keep that that uh, resilience <laughs> alive inside of you?
4: Uh, the, um, I, was, uh, I I I worked at like a telemarketing place for like years, and it was a very humbling experience to go from like you know like uh, skyrocketing in regards to your career, like seeing things starting to happen to now it's like I'm like okay, now it's like uh I I can't tour for like a while because of the lawsuit because they they were walk they you know, they were walking us, the insurance companies were walking us and I had to go to I worked in like a um like a warehouse, was it the cleanest warehouse and like and I was I was a tele, tele, telemarketer. I worked on Wall Street before that in the beginning so I, I know how to sell yeah? um, so it was just very, very humbling to have a boss who is younger than you, like saying, hey, I need you to do this. And the thing is, and I appreciate that. And the reason why I appreciate it is like, um, it's tough to put things in perspective. You know, I think when you're, especially when you're a vocalist, um, you can think it's all about you and, and all that stuff. And like, I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that we can do as musicians, thinking that, that we're it, so to speak. Right? I think once you get there, you kind of lose some of your hunger, some of the hunger that got you there, you know? And so that experience, that hunger experience helps me to say, all right, can here is just my job, okay? That can be taken away from me at any given time. Like I want to be the same person that I am on stage, that I am when I'm home, that I'm or hanging out with friends, whatever. I want to be that same. Of course, when you're on stage, you're, you're working, so of course you're going to turn it up just a little. But for the most part, like my personality is the same personality I have on stage. It's the same personality I have when I'm with my friends, by myself, with my family, or whatever. So, uh, uh, and it just um, it, it just um, it, it helps it helps to ground me. And one of the things that really it was like an eye opener after the accident and after people realized that we weren't going to be around for a while, maybe never even come back. One of the things that I was like, um, my phone stopped ringing. It was so weird. You know, you hear people talk about that. Like, you know, like, I guess like who, uh, you know, people let's say who are on top of the world and you know what, um, in their careers or whatnot. And, and then it all goes away, and their phones are ringing. I was completely surprised that my phone stopped ringing. <laughs> I think that's the thing that really, like, huh. So you started. I started to put a real value on friendship, even more so. What the definition of a tr- of a real friend uh, right. was. And like that's and ri- again, I'm and bladder. Yeah. Glad no,
3: up? You know, I was gonna say that's that's such a I'm really, really glad you mentioned that because it's so funny. I I've had I mean, a mutual friend of ours, um, Steve Joe, like he, you know, he worked at Century Media Records for years. I know you worked with him. Um, he was the one yep. who actually he was the one who actually hired me at Century Media. But he uh um, awesome. There was, there was one thing that he mentioned to me that I found so interesting, too, where it's like, you know, when you're in the middle of, uh, you know, the entertainment business, whatever it may be, whether it's working at a record label or whatever, um, you, and then you decide to either take a sidestep from it or, you know, become less active in it. Those are the points, like you mentioned, where you do realize, like, oh, these people that, like, treated me nice, like, they only just wanted something from me. Yeah. But then you but then there are people who you may not have considered that good of a friend to be like, oh, those are the people that actually like really like me for who I am as opposed to me being the vocalist of Candy or whatever, you know? Exactly. Yeah.
4: Exactly. Exactly. And, and then like, that's a, definitely an eye opener. Yeah. And i like, it's like, I said, I'm glad I went through it. And, uh, it's, uh, I, I love, uh, I love people. Yeah. You know, I love meeting new people and and I love, um, yeah, creating yeah. new friendships. You know what I mean? It's like, ah, dude's cool. And, you know, in my, uh, I like that, you know, and real friendships, you know. Yeah, totally. someone who wants something from you.
3: <laughs> right. Totally. Totally. Um. So, uh, yeah, two last things I want to hit on was uh, one. Like you mentioned, you you know, you're doing a telemarketing job for years. Um. So, you know, what did you find yourself doing you know after the crash and after you had to you know re-enter you know trying to find some semblance of whatever a career may mean um you know like what are you doing you know presently outside of the band just because they you know the band does occupy a lot of your time but not to the extent of where uh i presume it occupies all your headspace where you you know you, you can't concentrate on anything else so yeah. what are you what are you
4: doing you, to keep yourself, you, you, to keep right yourself now,
3: you? yeah yeah exactly
4: oh oh right now like uh um definitely i'm working on my uh side project like uh, electronic I've been wanting to do it for like a while you know what I mean and uh, so once I was done writing with the record I started just programming beats and and writing songs and hopefully hopefully I'll be done by April you know what I mean we have we have a huge summer tour coming up I can't announce it until like March or whatever but I'm hoping to have the songs done beforehand and maybe record after Um, I'm in the Screen Actors Guild as well you know so every now and then you know'll we'll work on something so' is Mike um also I like uh I uh, I volunteer at my church uh, with kids and also at a soup kitchen in um, in the city father's Heart's um, ministry or whatever like you know working with like the homeless people so I, I keep I keep myself um, I keep myself very 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 busy and also like I'm uh, just um learning new software new software learning how to like mix you know um how to um learning sound design uh, i have this thing where like uh, you know people say, you know it's going back to when i was a kid again right? right so what do you like i love just finding out how things work so um my hobby is troubleshooting <laughs> like oh how does this work i'm like i'll get frustrated i'm like all right here i go you know what i mean i know that i'm diving into something that once once when it's said and done it's like I'll learn something new, you know? And like, um, and I, and I tell this to people like all the time, you know, like when they're learning new software, whatever the case may be, it's like, uh, learn one new thing a day about this. With me, it's, um, native instruments, whatever software that they have, or building a sense from scratch, whatever case, maybe you learn one new thing. a day, And by the end of the year, I would have learned 365 new things, uh, about this piece of software, whatever the case may be, piece of hardware. Right. And like, uh, you, I, I, I will continually stress we have to be in a constant state of learning. If we if we think that we've arrived, we have a big problem. <laughs> you are yeah. you, just like flat flatline.
3: Right? Know? Yeah. No. That that's that's. Yeah. A, a, I like I like the engagement level because yeah, when you do. Um, You know, so many people I I know, you know, flounder at finding things that are interesting to them. You know, I mean, it's like the idea of uh, like, oh, find a hobby, you know, and it's like anytime anyone's ever uttered those words to like anybody I've been in the proximity of, I'm like what do you mean find a hobby? Like, I, I, I don't consider it, you know, it probably in the same way that you do, where it's like, y- your hobby is like, you know, it's kind of all-consuming, you know? It's just like, well, yeah, it's m- yeah. it's music, and yeah, it's all the things that are attached to music. And uh, it's, yeah. yeah, I find it so funny where like, oh, what are you going to do when you retire? It's just like, well, probably the same shit I've been doing for like 40 years, you
4: know? <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> yeah. you know funny? You, you look at it like, you know, you, you know you stumbled on a passion when you work on it, go to sleep and you can't wait to wake up the next day so you can do it all over again and you would do it whether you were getting paid for it or not yeah. you know and like, uh, and like that, that's uh, so many people like you know they, they might not know what that happens out would fine but uh, I implore you to find out what it is and like uh, it, it just um adds another depth to your life and like uh, and it also um sometimes sometimes life can get monotonous even if you're doing the thing that you love, right? Uh, but like, just find that thing, you know what I mean? Like, uh, that, even uh, another layer, you know, I love creating music, but now it's like, I'm in love with, like, you know, programming software you know, and doing sound design. So it's still, I'm still doing songwriting, but now it's like, wow, it's a deeper level. Yeah. You know, I felt like I just, don't get another, you know. Don't get a rabbit hole. It's, it's just oh. like oh, this. This is never
3: ending. I you know? it, totally, that, and that's that, that's the exciting part about uh, you know growing growing older is the fact that you can trip into these other things that you know maybe at a younger age you would have had no idea that you had been interested in, but all of a sudden, like yeah. you, it's a, it's a treasure trove. You open up this whole yeah. new world, and you're like, oh my gosh, like there's there's yeah. this, this whole other world, and it's amazing. It's great. Yeah. It's great.
4: I I get completely lost. So, uh, yeah,
3: I love it. That's that's <laughs> yeah. so cool. Well, Carly, honestly, thank you so much. This has been really fun for me and I hope that uh you have uh derived some enjoyment out of this as well.
4: Awesome, man. I love great conversations, great interview. And uh thank you for not asking standard questions, man. <laughs> Thank you so much.
3: <laughs> I love it, right? It's always, uh, it's always nice when both people can give compliments to each other at the end of an hour-long conversation where it's like, hey, that, that was cool. I really enjoyed that. And, um, yeah, it always uh, it's always nice. I have to thank Amy Sierretto, who is an old colleague of mine. And, um, yeah, she's just a great PR person. So if you're ever looking for PR, go to Amy Sierretto. She is a legend within that scene. And, actually, you know what? She'd be a good interview. I actually didn't think about that, but that would be fun. Anyways, uh, she hooked up the interview. Uh, she's Carly's, and Canderias is PR person, so thank you very much for having me do that interview. And um, the music, as always, is provided by Lowercase Noises. Please find him on Bandcamp, on Facebook, on any other social media platform, or Apple Music, or Spotify. Whatever it is you listen to music on, find his music. It's beautiful, and you'll love it. And uh, should I tell you the guest next week? I probably will, because uh, that's what I have been tending to do recently, right? I am talking to an old friend of mine, Rob Blasco. He is the bass player for uh, someone you may have heard of, Ozzy Osbourne. I don't know, maybe? <laughs> and he also played in some other legendary bands called Cryptic Slaughter and a bunch of other stuff. And then he manages a lot of bands called Black Veil Brides. And uh, he's he's basically uh, one of my favorite dudes in the music industry. And uh, I love talking to him. And then uh, we decided to record one. So that's what we did. And that's what's coming up next week. So it, in my wildest dreams, I never thought that... <laughs> i would be like oh yeah i'm friends with the bass player of ozzy osbourne like what sort of weird world is that but uh, that's the music industry in a nutshell so anyways uh i know that uh this world feels so goddamn crazy right now there are so many things happening on a hour to hour basis but do what you can to take a break from it for even if it's just an hour or so just take a breather remind yourself that there are positive things around you. There are positive things going on as far as the the pushback on all the political stuff that well, I don't need to say all the political stuff all of the horrific things that are coming from the White House right now. Um, So basically use art use your friends and comrades within the context of pushing back on all of this stuff that uh, we frankly just don't need as a country. and uh, Use that as a salve. Be able to lick your wounds and be able to use that to get yourself through the next, you know, frankly, three and a three quarters years like that. I think I'm breaking up my years by the quarter. So anyways, um, but yes, please use that and hopefully use this podcast. So let it, let it comfort you. Okay. Because I'm feeling just as scared as you. I'm feeling just as nervous about everything that's happening. So there's that. Well, until next week, please be safe, everybody. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.
2: The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Check the backseat. Check the backseat. All right, come here.
3: Check the backseat